Hello and welcome to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. Before we dive into who our guest is today, Joe is going to remind us of our show's purpose. Well, Searching for Service was designed to uh, expose Rotarians and non-Rotarians to service opportunities. And how we've found the best way to do that is having great guests on, like Sean, and to tell amazing stories, opportunities that are out there, and share, um, you know, people's experiences, not only within Rotary, but outside of Rotary, just ultimately to get people into service. Great job, Joe. Awesome. <laughs> and we're off. And we're off. So we have yet again another amazing guest on, and our guest today is Sean Hansen. She is the executive director for the outreach program of Brainerd Lakes, not to be confused with the outreach program. It sounds like there's two, and so we want to be very clear. This is the outreach program of Brainerd Lakes. Welcome, Sean. So when you write those checks, make sure to put Brainerd Lakes in there. There you go. I love it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, we're happy to have you on. And so um, as as it was shared with you, usually we like to take this first segment to really get to know you, Sean, um, as the executive director. And so let's start off with where are you from? Well, technically, I am an Iowegian. So I grew up on a farm (laughs) in a small town in Iowa. Um, married my husband 38 years ago, and we took our very first marriage vacation to Walker, Minnesota, and fell in love with the up north feel of Minnesota, and gradually kept spending more and more time up here, and in 1999, we moved here permanently to a beautiful little town called Nisswa. I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but it's just north of Brainerd. Yeah. Yes, I have heard of it, actually. Resort country. Yes, it is. It sure is. It's pretty quiet up here right now, but uh, it's a great place to live year-round. So I haven't heard the Iowegian before. I've heard Iowan, but not Iowegian. (laughs) That's a new one. Oh, yeah. I'm a true Iowegian, too. (laughs) (laughs) What's it take to be a true Iowegian? I had a very boring maiden name. It was Smith. And then I married a Hanson, so there was no purpose in hyphenating it because it just really didn't make sense. <laughs> My husband corrects me all the time that it's spelled E-N because that's the Danish version. Okay. And uh, his dad was full Dane and his mom was full Norwegian. Oh, my gosh. So that's yeah. how you get the Iowegian, by the way. That's how you get it. Yeah. That's Wonderful. right. Only, only Norwegians understand. It's okay. <laughs> All right. So we we love right. the area a lot. We used to vacation on the north side of Walker, and coming through the Brainerd area was always part of it coming up 371. My husband was in law enforcement and had decided that he wanted to kind of shift away from that career after a long time in the military. And we, on a whim, moved our six- and four-year-old children uh, to Nisswa, and best decision we've ever made in our whole life. It's a wonderful place to live. It's been a great place to raise our kids. They're now grown and have their own lives, adult lives going on. Um, the little town of Nisswa is about 2,000 people from November to May. And it's about 40,000 people mm-hmm. from oh my May. gosh. It's, it's cabin country. So, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I understand. But I just didn't realize there was such a, a range of discrepancy there for the population. Kind of like that's, a college town. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It feels like it's <laughs> yeah. yeah, it feels like it. Yeah. And then in the wintertime, a lot of the people are snowbirds, so they don't mm-hmm. stick around here. The winter can get a little long in <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're much further up north than the Twin Cities even, so it's <laughs> – I can understand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's a, it's a great place to live. So, yep, I grew up in Iowa. I went to college in Storm Lake at a little tiny private college called Univista University. Um, I told my dad I was going to be a bean counter <laughs> because everybody needed an accountant, so it was a stable career to go into. Oh, my gosh. My dad told me right away – that I should probably go into sales. Um, I had a gift of gab, as he told me, with people. I didn't listen to him because I wanted to be married. I wanted a white picket fence, and I wanted children, and I just wanted a a nice career. 
So mm. when I got out of college, I went to work right away for Land Lakes and worked okay. for them for many, many years. Uh, kind of moved around a little bit, eventually moved over into a, a plant that was a uh, hog manufacturing facility for Hormel. Mm-hmm. And at that time, got my first taste at being a union negotiator. So kind of moved my career, eventually moved it over into human resources. And uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a pretty good corporate career going. Worked for H.B. Fuller out of the Twin Cities for several years in talent management and HR. Uh, this area is pretty quiet, mostly small business, not a whole lot of corporate world mm-hmm. structure here. And I uh, took, a, took a chance on a job back in 2012 to be a chamber director of this oh. little beautiful town of Niswa. And so did a complete mind shift and change of career and spent about eight years being the chamber director here. You got to use um, that gift of gab. I was what just going to say, <laughs> what, a, what an incredible, like, that's kind of a nice little segue route into, like, sales. I mean, you're doing yeah, like, you're, <laughs> Came around full circle and eventually listened to my father. I should have just listened all those years ago. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge yeah. proponent of the uh, of the chamber. I I had joined the chamber, the St. Paul Chamber, which is one of the largest chambers here in Minnesota, and have always like anybody who is getting into sales. I'm like, hey. Have you talked to somebody over at the chamber? Are you involved in the chamber? Do you do ambassador work with the chamber? It's it's absolutely incredible. So good good on you, Sean. Good on you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that was my first chance to ever really be working like in a small town level, right? Most of everything else I had done was in more corporate structure. And it was the first chance to really get to know a community. We had lived here for quite a while. We moved here in 99. I didn't take the job with the chamber till 2012. And it was kind of eye-opening to all of a sudden open yourself up to see what was going on in the amazing community that you called home. I hadn't really done that up until that point. And uh, the business relationships that I made there are kind of what eventually moved me into where I'm at today. So I met a gentleman at the coffee shop um, probably in late 2012. And he was sitting there nicely. He was in his early 50s. He looked somewhat retired to me. And I introduced myself to him. And he said, hi, I'm John Post, and I'm the founder of Kids Against Hunger, a humanitarian food aid organization that just opened up down the street. Hmm. So nice to meet you. And I told him who I was, and we stood and visited for a few minutes. And he said to me, would you ever consider, like, coming on to my board of directors? I'm just getting that started now, and, you know, I think you could be a good fit for my board. And I said, well, I'd like to know a little bit more about your organization before I do that. And the next thing he said is, if you're looking for board members for the chamber, I would probably be interested in joining your board. I looked right back at him and I said, well, thank you. With all due respect, sir, I'm not looking for a director of a nonprofit to be on my chamber board. I am looking for more business-minded people that would be serving on my board. So lo and behold, about three months later, I ran into John again. He asked me if I had had a chance to look into his charity. I said, yep, I came there with my church and uh, got to know what food packing was like. I said, it's a pretty cool concept. I like it. And he said, well, again, would you consider going on my board of directors? I said, you know, I think that could be something I could do. I could add some value, perhaps. He said, great. He said, have you given any more thought to me joining your board at the chamber? And before I said no, I said, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And he said, well, I'm 50 years old. I retired back to this area to take care of my parents because they're ill. I've got 35 years of corporate experience running the European division for Sally Beauty Holdings. Hmm. I looked at him. I said, huh, you want to join my board? (laughs) (laughs) I never asked him what his experience was. I just took it at face value what he did. So the agreement was we each joined each other's board of directors, and I became pretty involved down here at the charity. And our kids and our our family came to pack with our church, mm. and that's how we really got ingrained to be here. Um, and in 2016, hmm, had a little health scare and had to reevaluate a few things about life, 
And my husband asked me, well, what do you want to do on your next turn? And I said, well, I'd like to retire from the chamber. I'd like to find something 25 hours a week. I'd like to not work the month of February. And I'd like to have Wednesdays and Fridays off with my grandchildren. And he said, well, good luck finding a job that will fit that. I said, yeah, I know, but, you know, I'll look around. And three years later, I retired from my job at the chamber. And I took over as the executive director for Kids Against Hunger. And six months later, we rebranded ourselves to the outreach program at Brandon Lake. So I brought my uh, corporate background and my skill set that I had in my previous life and uh, kind of made a turn for us at the ch- at the charity for something we had been praying about and wanting to do for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that was shift a mission of the charity. So Back in that day, we were Kids Against Hunger, and we were very similar to Feed My Starving Children, but on a much smaller scale. And all of our food went overseas, and we wanted to be able to take care of people at home. Hmm. So that's where it switched. So now I am a proud grandma of three. I do not work 25 hours a week. I work more about 40 to 45. (laughs) Such is the life. Yeah. Yeah. I do not work on Wednesdays and Fridays. So I typically have my grandchildren. Careful what you put into the universe, Sean, right? Well, and uh, in a previous conversation I'd had with Joe, my husband and I are lucky we spend about six weeks uh, in Florida. So that February wish came through, and I just work remote. During that that's incredible that's awesome we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this segment and roll into the next one talking more about the program you are listening to searching for service i'm kelly kirk i'm joe kirk and i'm chad larson we'll be back rotary is a place for all community-minded people who want to serve their areas with the support of an international organization join rotary to find service join rotary to find inclusion Join Rotary to find leadership. Join Rotary to find fun. Join Rotary to find friendship. Join Rotary to find a better version of the world. Find a Rotary Club near you at rotary.org and click on Club Finder. There is a club out there for everyone. Find your fit with Rotary. Rotary Rotary.org. For decades, eradicating polio worldwide has been Rotary's cornerstone cause. We are incredibly close to ridding the globe of this virus, but we need everyone's help to get us to the goal. World Polio Day is October 24th. Please consider making a new donation to Polio Plus or increasing your already generous giving. Go to npolio.org to be a part of this historical eradication of polio. You will help get vaccinations to the most remote parts of our world and help fulfill a promise we made to end polio now. Two drops and it stops. Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. As a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms and... Like, comment, share it. And we are also on YouTube and on all platforms you can find us by following Searching for Service. Great job, Chad. Great job. (laughs) So if you are tuning in for the first time, um, we're into our next segment here with Sean Hansen. She is the executive director for the outreach program of Brainerd Lakes. Last segment, we had an opportunity to learn quite a bit about Sean. And I mean, Sean, you couldn't have timed that any better with (laughs) like all about you and then that segue into how you – basically became the executive director with Kids Against, sorry, formerly Kids Against Hunger and now the outreach program. So we... Of Brainerd Lakes. Of Brainerd Lakes. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, you mentioned that that you rebranded right away. Tell us more about that and why you did that. Sure. So our previous mission when we were Kids Against Hunger was we were focused on all of our foods going overseas to third world countries and truly starving children. And one of the people that we watch or an organization that we really admire is Feed My Starving Children and what they do and what they stand for and how they do it. And one other thing that we realized was when we started off in 2012, we never paid attention to our neighbor. We never really looked at, was there a hunger issue in the United States in general, but more specifically, what was going on in Minnesota? Mm -hmm. So in 2016, we brought in our second food and it was an oatmeal product. And we, tested it with some food shelves. And what we found out was it was really well received. So we formulated 
an additional food, macaroni and cheese, uh, probably about that same time. And we just continued to pay attention to food shelves, talking to school programs, talking to social workers, and just trying to get a background on what does hunger look like at home? And, you know, we live in the Brainerd Lakes area, which most people assume that the majority of the people that live up here have a substantial amount of money. Um, We are in a resort community. We're in a cabin community. But truly, um, we have an income diversity up here. We have some people that are living quite well. We have a lot of people that I say are like me. We're floating in the middle. But we have a lot of people that are truly living paycheck to paycheck. So we rebranded ourselves in 2019 to become the outreach program because we changed our mission. So at that point, we simplified our <laughs> now clarify that a little bit why it's called that um, but we we decided that we were going to rebrand we had our own name picked out it had nothing to do with the one that we are today and we were outsourcing our food from an organization in Des Moines Iowa called the outreach program and we went to visit them and said that we were going to be purchasing more of their food and doing more with them and would they ever consider us tagging on and using their name and just adding up the Brain of Lakes with it? And they had never really thought about that. Um, they thought about it for a little bit while we were there for three days. And by the time we left, we signed a contract that said that was going to be our name. So that's how we came up with the outreach program, Brain of Lakes. Hmm. Um, all of our food is sourced by one source, and that is in Des Moines through outreach. But when we rebranded, our mission became simple. We just wanted to feed families in need. But our vision changed. Our vision is that 80 to 90% of the food that we package will remain in Minnesota. So we would still love to be able to do some overseas work when and if we can. That's what that 10 to 20% residual is left for. So we'll take that 80 to 90%. We will spread the love of 10 products now that we have, and we will be in local area food shelves with it. The, The 10 to 20 that's left over will either go for Disaster relief, we just recently did a, uh, some food that went to Maui after all mm-hmm. of that tragedy. And we've done the Ukraine, we've been to Africa, we've actually been to about 25 countries over our time. But truly, we're just focused at home. We are just really focused on, you know, people that you and I meet every day on the street. We don't know what hunger looks like if we look in the eyes of someone. But it's there. So I'm going to give you, I'll give you a couple examples here in uh, Crow Wing and Cass County, where we're at, about 37% of all of the families that live here live under the poverty level. Mm. Oh, wow. So they're living where if they have any kind of catastrophe, if their car breaks down, if they miss a paycheck, right, they are those ones that are living right on the edge of making things work every day. So us bringing our food into a local area food shelf, at no cost, by the way, to the food shelf, um, has really helped people have access to healthy food. Our foods are all, um, what do I want to say, developed by Iowa State University. Okay. So they're nutritionally dense. Go Cyclones. I know. My husband's a hockey fan. I still love him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're all nutritiously dense. So you're, what you're getting is you're getting something really good. So I hope that someday I get to meet a General Mills executive because for years I've been saying this statement, and I'm just curious what they would say back to me. Our um, apple cinnamon oatmeal and our raisin oatmeal I think is better than the General Mills oatmeal that you and I buy at the store every day. And here's why. It relatively tastes similar, but it has soy, so it's got protein in it. Mm-hmm. it has vitamins and minerals that are not in the other. And it's super easy to make. And it's only 30 cents to feed someone with it. 30 cents. So all of the meals that we do, we do at such a low cost. And we have no overheads for staffing, with the exception of myself who chases money, uh, because everything is done by volunteers from the community. So it is truly the assembly line similar to uh, Feed My Starving Children's Way, very similar to that, done by community volunteers, and it goes out to a local area food shelf for free. Can you explain a little bit about how you determine your products, like your your 
the the food products that you provide you know do you do you distinguish like different types of nutrition that's needed or is it uh, geographically specific or how do you how do you determine all of that stuff so that's a really good question so we started off with a I called it the glorified chicken rice at roaming right mm-hmm. that's what it felt like that very first product that we had an American palate really didn't like it it just wasn't our cup of tea so what do people like they like macaroni and cheese okay right? <laughs> everybody likes macaroni and cheese it doesn't really matter how old you are okay um, so mac and cheese was one of the very first ones that we came around and the oatmeal products made sense. We wanted to have a breakfast product. We wanted to have something for people for lunch or their dinner. So that's how those two things started. Um, instead of that chicken rice roni, now we have a product called beans and rice. And I'll call it like a, it's a very mild version of everything. But you can go on to a reservation property and it will fit that indigenous population's palate. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can go into many different cultures. They don't want our spices. They want their own, right? Mm-hmm. They want to they want to jazz up their foods their way. So that one is very mild and is very palatable, I would say, to any uh, European background of folks. Um, definitely on uh, a couple of the, the larger Indian reservations of our direction, um, that's very popular. That's also the one that's really popular if you send it overseas. It's a rice product. Mm-hmm. Sure. And people are used to having rice in their diet. Yeah. Um, then it kind of just comes to this. Is Spanish rice? Yeah, it's pretty good. Our Spanish rice is, if you think about stuff in a uh, green pepper with all the stuff that you and I like, I'd put our Spanish rice right there. It's pretty good. Our cheesy rice is very uh, much a kid product. Mm-hmm. Kids love it. That's probably our number one product with uh school backpack programs that we're in is they like the cheesy rice product. So we have 10, we have two breakfast, we have three lunch, dinner, pasta, three lunch, dinner, uh, rice and two desserts. And I say dessert lightly because, um, it's not really dessert to me. I don't know how old you guys are, but my grandmother used to eat raisin rice pudding all of the time when I was a kid. And one of our desserts is raisin rice pudding. And so They'll eat that for lunch or dinner. It's not necessarily a dessert. But that makes up those 10 components. And right now we're kind of at a hold of putting anything new into the mix. You know, in the next year or two, we may think about it. But right now we're pretty pretty steady with those 10 offerings. And then when a food shelf asks for it, they kind of tell us which ones of those they want. Mm -hmm. And that's what we deliver to them. So so they can kind of pinpoint what what they need from you? Like how does yeah, that so how does that process work? Can you explain? You know, we've got a couple sure. minutes here. Just how how you engage the community and disperse the product and the food shelves. Yep. So if, let's just say for an example, the food shelf reaches out to their food bank. Mm-hmm. So I'll pick on Second Harvest, right? The large a large food bank, and at that time um, they can't get access to mac and cheese for whatever the reason that is. So they're going to get our mac and cheese from us to make sure that they have that product on the shelf. We do a minestrone soup that's very versatile, and that is one that they can put on that soup area in a food shelf, especially if they don't have something sitting there. So I think a lot of times it looks at what they're ordering from their local area food bank and what they can subsidize in with our products to Mm. make their dollars at the food bank go go longer and stronger. Okay. Very good. And you talked about the volunteers. Do they? You talked about packing. What are all the volunteers that you use, and how, how can people get involved with that part? So we utilize volunteers for packing the meals. So actually coming in here in a group of eight to ten people, and up to thirty to fifty at any time. Most of our groups tend to be twenty to thirty for the most part when they come in to volunteer. Um, we take people from age ten all the way up until whenever into their hundreds, if that happens. The reason that we don't take uh, children under 10 is it becomes work for them Yeah. at that age, right? It becomes yeah. work. And we also use volunteers to distribute our food as well. Beautiful. Well, awesome. Sean, we're going to wrap up this next this segment. And then in the next segment, we'll talk about the, um, the relationship, relationship between Rotary yep. and... 
uh, the outreach program of Brainerd Lakes. You're listening to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. We'll be back. Of the things we think, say, or do. Is it the truth? Is it Rotary to serve your community and the world with honesty, fairness, and goodwill. Our four-way test guides our actions every day. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? These values underpin our commitment to making a positive impact on the world. Learn more about your local Rotary Club and stop searching and start serving. And the song you're hearing now was performed by Rotary Club of Dar es Salaam Oyster Bay. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build good? Will it better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? When we pay it forward, it will be returned. Join Rotary to serve your community and the world with honesty, fairness, and goodwill. Our four-way test guides our actions every day. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? These values underpin our commitment to making a positive impact on the world. Learn more about your local Rotary Club and stop searching and start serving. And the song you're hearing right now was performed by the Rotary Club of Saskatoon, Natuna in Canada. When we take it forward, it will be returned. Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. As a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms and... Like, comment, share it, follow it, do all the things, five gold stars. <laughs> and you can find us on there by looking up Searching for Service. If you are tuning in for the first time, we are in our third segment here with Sean Hansen. She is the executive director for the outreach program of Brainerd Lakes. I would encourage you to take a listen to the last couple of segments. We got to know Sean and then also about the program itself. Um, but in this next segment, we're going to talk about the relationship between Rotary and the outreach program of BLA. Did I say it right, Sean? BLA? Sean, you shortened it a little bit. You are Sean, before we go into that, I had a question that I thought of kind of off off the air was, have you seen an impact of the state's school lunch program on you guys? Have you guys seen that impact you at all? Like, you know, obviously, positively, you, you want to put yourself out of business, <laughs> right? No, so I mean, it's a great question because – most people assume now that because the state program is there for free breakfast and lunch for kids at school, which is awesome that that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it never changed the people that were already getting in that program. Right. So while I'm going to use my daughter as an example, it's great that her kids can have free and reduce or free lunch and breakfast. She didn't need it. She could financially afford to pay for that. But the child that was sitting next to my grandson, he's still in poverty. He still needs your support. He still needs that help. Mm -hmm. So my bigger concern about that is if and when those programs ever start to go away, mm -hmm. people have now been able to shift that income of money that they were putting into their kids' lunch accounts, not having to use that and, and use it for other things. And at some point, if it goes back, it will it'll negatively impact them. As sure. far as the numbers for us, it really didn't change our numbers. We are in some school backpack programs. So like when school is out for a few days, our food goes home. But primarily that food is going home to those kids that have been identified that need that assistance at home. Hmm. Great question, though. Yeah, thank you. How is it that you, I know that we want to talk about the relationship between Rotary and the program itself, but how is it that you um, identify these families or these uh, children? So the good news for us is we have no biases here. So 
I really don't care what kind of income you have, what kind of car you drive, any of those kinds of things. We don't ask you any questions um, about getting our food because we, uh, we actually work with that partner on the other side, the food shelves, the community meal programs, the social workers at the school, and they make those decisions for us. We just simply provide the food, which is really okay. great on our end because then we never have to get into that yeah. uh, politicking of all of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. for sure. Very, very interesting. And so um, my next question for you is, we didn't know this earlier on. Are you a fellow Rotarian? Oh, boy, I am not. I am a lion. And that's okay. That's okay. I know. (laughs) There's lots of of ways to get get, Get get involved involved in your community. Yep. Right. So uh, my husband was a lion, so therefore I just kind of followed suit with him. And uh, in our little tiny town of Nisswa, there's a Lions Club. There is not a Rotary Club. There's a couple of Rotary Clubs around us. Sure. Right? Um, even some of my really great friends are Rotarians, and I still like them. So that's a good thing, too. Right? <laughs> um, but here's what's interesting. All of us that are in civic organizations of whatever nature that is, our core is to serve people and help people. and help 100%. Others, right? Yes. And I don't know what Rotary is like for you guys, but for our Lions – it's challenging anymore to really gain members, keep them engaged, keep them active. And I think that we saw just recently how the international presidents of a lot of these civic organizations all came together and said, Hey, we have to be looking at this different mm-hmm. lions need to partner with rotary, right? Rotary yeah. needs to partner with Sertoma. Sertoma needs to partner with Kiwanis, whoever that is, because at the end of the day, all of us have a servant heart. Yeah. Yes. And we just want to help our communities, however that is. Well, that's but, well said. And I think that I that do. was the whole nature of this show was to kind of break down a lot of those barriers between mm-hmm. not only Rotarians but other service organizations and go, we're, we're, wh- however you serve, we want to expose yeah. you to opportunities that allow you to do that. So why don't you, you bring t- your rotary hat and I'll bring my lion's vest and we're good to go. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Why, why don't you tell us the story of how you got introduced to Rotary, like how the sure. how the the program got introduced to Rotary? Sure. So our partner is the outreach program, and uh, a gentleman that's in uh, involved with there, he is a Rotarian. Actually, is going to be a district governor in Kansas uh, coming up. And someone through the tri-state Rotary convention group reached out to him and said, hey, Isaac, would you like to come to Madden's Resort on Gull Lake and be at the House of Hospitality or the House of Friendship? House of Friendship, yep. And he said, well, I'd love to, but I think that's my partner's back door. So I'm going to reach out to her. So a gal by the name of Alexa, I've only met her through (laughs) multiple emails. We enjoy Alexa a lot. She has been on the show. Yeah, she's been on the show as well. Yep. Has she? So she invited us to come last fall to a, an event that you guys were hosting up here in the Brainerd Lakes area. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we had a booth at the House of Friendship. And um, we were able to showcase what we do. We were able to show people that we were doing things in local area food shelves. We were showing Rotarians how they could get involved by doing packing events, by funding uh, small community events that could happen, and how you could take that food back to the community which was great. We, we appreciated that opportunity. And then, um, I don't know, shortly after that, we got another call that said, Hey, we're going to be at the Arboretum. Is it, is it in Chaska or Chanhassen? Yeah. Yes. Chanhassen. Yep. Chanhassen, right. Would you like to come? We're like, you bet we'll be there. So we were there not too long after that. And then, cool. Uh, we have a Rotarian that's up in this area that served as district governor, and I think he's done a few other things, like larger scale. His name is Bob McLean. And he was out in Illinois last weekend for a Rotary conference, and he sent me a picture, and he says, hey, do you know this guy? And he hands up this photo, and it was Isaac, the guy that started it all for us by getting us into Rotary. Oh, so funny. We've had two really awesome opportunities to be out in front of Rotarians, you know, we do the speaking circuit. You know what I mean? You go around to small clubs. And yeah. You talk about what you do. But definitely that house of friendship allowed us to be out in front of a lot of a lot of great people. And that's actually where we met Greg Pavick, who I think is going to be on your show, um, from the Humanity Alliance. Yeah. And okay. We had booths. He's right in next the queue. Is he? Okay. Yeah. We had booths right next to each other. And now yep. we've become partners. And I actually provide him 
some of his oatmeal that he uses for some of the stuff that he does, he could get it cheaper through us. So a great relationship that got started right. because of Rotary asking us to, to come and be together. Boy, your dad was right. The gift of gab. Yes. No, it's it's so, wonderful actually. That's make those connections uh-huh. at those events. Yeah. 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 I think that to me, that's what signifies this importance, right? So I totally believe in what Rotary is doing. I think that you guys have such a great foundation of what you do and what you mean and how you serve and how you work with the business community and people that are really looking to make sure they're networking in that business environment. I think that Lions have a, a, a simplified version of that because we don't talk about business when we're together. Um, but we are definitely seeing how we need to partner with other organizations in whether it's a social event that you're doing in your community or whether it's a purposeful event. Um, and so I think that we'll see more of that. And for outreach, what that means is, we need to be looking at all of those civic organizations and all of those service type individuals and say, hey, you have bodies, you have people. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you have funding available, right? So what would that look like and feel like if all of a sudden you could commit a couple thousand dollars, which turns into six to seven to eight thousand meals that you could mm-hmm. hand over to your local area food shelf with your rotary label on the bag? Huh saying that Rotary cares about you and that we want you to be fed and we want you to live a healthy life. And so this is just one way. So those are those relationship building that, that happens. And we're grateful to Rotary uh, for that opportunity. Well, and I know that the relationship is still pretty new, um, but have you had any luck getting um, any funding from the local Rotary clubs through grants and through, yeah. Yeah. So actually during COVID was our first Rotary grant. And that was because the Rotary Foundation up in this general area was sending some kids to camp mm-hmm. with some Rotary funds that they had. And because of COVID, they couldn't send them. Okay. So those funds got diverted to us to allow us to feed those kids that were home during COVID. Oh, so wow. we have seen some of that. And now that being part of that base allows us to go back then and talk to that Rotary Foundation on an annual basis give them the statistics of what we're doing. We're packing this year 550,000 meals here um, through outreach, and that's a lot. It is. And we used to pack, yeah, we used to pack 250,000 meals, and we thought that was a lot. <laughs> and in, uh, during COVID, we packed a million meals one year. Wow. So, so um, five, But it gives us that roundabout to come back to, yeah. to Rotary and ask for dollars. So 550,000 meals, how many people do you think that that serves throughout the year? Because obviously they're, they're eating more than one meal. Right. So how many people – do you guys have any gauge on that at all? Do you, you know when I told you like about checking ages and keeping track of who gets the food? We don't pay attention. We give it to the food shelf and we give it to the schools and we give it to – we have them in law enforcement back seats. We have them in the, in sure. the trunk of the social worker. Oh, wow. We don't keep track of any of that statistics, which makes my life a lot easier. <laughs> For sure. No kidding. But as you said, you're just you're just the gal who goes and gets the money, right? I'm the money chaser. You got it. That's my job. Well, I think uh, for this next segment, which we'll roll into here in just a moment, we'll talk about what the future can look like for the program itself. So as a reminder, you're listening to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. We'll be back. Are you ready to make a difference in your community? Rotary is a great place to get involved in your community and meet passionate groups of people, as well as individuals dedicated to service and fellowship. At Rotary, we believe in the power of teamwork to bring positive change. As a member, you will have the opportunity to participate in exciting projects that address local and global challenges. From supporting educational initiatives to environmental conservation, we tackle it all. Joining a Rotary Club means becoming part of a diverse family of individuals who share a passion for giving back and having fun while making positive impact. With projects and events that enrich your community, there's something for everyone, from local initiatives to international collaborations. It doesn't matter what culture or country you come from. What matters is that you want to belong to a group that strengthens communities and creates lasting change. There's a place for 
everyone at Rotary, regardless of age or background. Learn more by searching for a Rotary Club in your community and visiting. Together, let's make a difference. Rotary People of Action. Hello and welcome back to our last segment of Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. As a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms and... Write us a five-star review. Go ahead and comment, like it, just interact with our stuff. It's great. And, and you can share it. You can also find us on YouTube. You can find us on all the platforms by looking up Searching for Service. Boom. And we're there. <laughs> In our last segment here, um, as a reminder, we have Sean Hansen on, who's the executive director of the outreach program of Brainerd Lakes. And Sean, for this last segment, we just want to um, have you share with us what the future can look like for the outreach program of Brainerd Lakes. Um, maybe what your role could look like for the future as well. So. Which one should we start off with, guys? Well, I can answer the second one. She wants to work 25 hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear that one for me, Jim. Yeah. So if, if you hadn't listened to the last couple of segments, Sean had mentioned that really her ideal um, work situation would be 25 hours, not working Wednesdays and Fridays, and February off, correct? Mm-hmm. And she's closer to that. <laughs> she's yeah. inches away. <laughs> You, know, you, you mentioned all the different products you have. Do you, do you envision changing or moving or in, including more products, or is it trying to just get more product out there? Where is kind of some of the some of the goals and visions for mm-hmm. for moving forward? I think one of one of the things that we'll do is we will look at the products that we already have in existence and see how that possibly could become a revenue stream for us. That's something we don't do now. And what I mean by that is people that go. Um, up to the boundary waters, or you're a backpacker or a hiker, hmm. you're already going to a store and probably buying some foods that you put in your backpack that only require water yeah. to make when you're traveling, right? So what about our foods? Because they're nutritiously dense. They're they're healthier for you. Sure. And we do ours for 30 cents. So a package of, one package has six meals in it, a buck 80. But imagine if we could turn around and sell that for $4, just double it, mm-hmm. how much more food we would be able to pack. There's hoops that you have to go through to be able to get that done, right? Because then it becomes a whole different product as you're selling it versus donating it. Um, but that's one thing that we have to look at. Probably we'll look at that before we would ever expand our line again. We feel pretty sufficient with what we offer. Um, first of all, before I forget this, I just want to say this. Kudos to you guys for doing something like this and, and having something out there where people can pay attention to learn about ways of being a servant. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. I, I they haven't surfed around a lot, but I don't think there's very few doing what you guys are doing right now. Thank so you. good Thank job you. for creating that and um, yeah. keep it up. And I hope that your your base grows because it's it's something unique and, and pretty awesome, actually, for Rotarians and beyond. So, Thank you. Um, yeah. So I think that the next thing that we have a problem with is we assume everybody can drive to a food shelf. Mm. We assume everybody yeah. has transportation to get somewhere, right? <clears throat> And during COVID, one of the things that happened with Second Harvest was they started to do what they called mobile pop-up units, mm-hmm. right, where they would take their truck out, come into a community. People could drive up, not even get out of their car, um, and get food. That still happens today on a much smaller level. It's, it's slowed down a lot, but that is one of the things that we're involved with with Second Harvest North, um, which is out of Grand Rapids. And they have 24 locations that they go to every month where they drive up with a semi and people can line up. So I'll give you an example. We're in the little town of Bacchus, which is about 40 miles north of here. Mm-hmm. And we will be there this next Thursday. It's once a month. And there will be 200 cars that line up to wow. simply receive the food that they're getting from Second Harvest. And then at the end of the line, they get our food. I think we have to stop making an assumption that people can get to a food shelf. <clears throat> well, I tell you what, Sean. We've had so many people on with so many different organizations and transportation has been like I think of preschool for success. I think of, you know, there there was three or four other organizations that they underestimated the need on the the transportation side. Like that's where preschool for success really stubbed their toe out of the gate was, oh, man, like we can't get these kids 
to preschool, let alone yeah. the preschool. So it's it's really interesting to <clears throat> see that commonality of that transportation component as one of those assumptions that we all make. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And especially how in a rural community. Right? Yeah. Like, how do they get there if they don't have transportation? Yeah. yeah. Transportation is a big issue. So I think that we would like to be doing more things mobily, right? We would like to be doing our own pop-ups, just making a social media announcement that we're going to be in XYZ city and we're going to be at the local Casey store and we're handing out our food for free. Right. Wow. God asks us to be good to others, be kind to others. That's an easy way that that can be done. So I think that you'll, that's one of the big needs. We don't, we haven't had that figured out yet. It's just kind of on that cusp of, well, if we do that, we need a van, <laughs> you know, yeah. we, need st- we need people, we need a schedule. You know, you got to have a budget for gas. All of those kinds of of things were involved in that little program called FoodRx. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Getting healthy foods to people. How do you do that? It's all about getting transportation and and getting it to where people really, really need it. But that's what I love about this last segment is we kind of force our guests to to dream past what's kind of easy and like the next logical step and instead go, you know, where can this actually go? And, and it's fun because then you start to reverse engineer it back and say, well, what do we actually need to do to make this happen? Oh, we need a van. Well, Maybe somebody listening to this is like, hey, I've got an extra van. You can mm-hmm. have it. <laughs> or You know, Sean, I just think about how when you were having that conversation with your husband about what you wanted <laughs> the next step for him. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? You put it out there into the universe and you're, again, you're like this close. <laughs> so yeah. doing the same right. thing, that's what we have encouraged our guests that are part yeah. of nonprofits or, you know, any sort of program that – you know, like what what can the bigger vision and the bigger goals look like? And to Joe's point, reverse engineering to it. Yeah. We mentioned volunteering. Go ahead, Jim. I just want to make sure people can also support you guys with funds, right? You take donations because yes. we talked about volunteering. Yes. We better get that out there. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are privately funded, so we don't get any government funding. We do it all by private donations from individuals, businesses, organizations, and some fundraising events that we host. Um, so that's definitely something that we always need. The demand is definitely there. We have really stayed in our lane of 60 to 80 mile radius of Brainerd. We yep. could go bigger and further if our funding model allowed that. Yeah. Most, okay. of our, most of the dollars we're getting are coming out of this area. So therefore we stay in this area. Right. Um, but if somebody wants us to come further, we will, we just got to get the funding to come with that. Mm-hmm. Um, to balance that out. So well, I think I think that that's really amazing for you is that you guys have had the the um, you know kind of the boundaries of going. Okay, I know that we can continue to go bigger and bigger and bigger, but we have to make sure that we're serving the community that's help that's yeah. supporting us and that's funding us and that's and taking care of that first. Because I think I think the thing that we all understand is that the need is far greater than what the resources are. And so to at least be able to effectively do it is, I think, your most important right. goal in all of this, right, is to go, okay, we, we've got to be effective in doing whatever we're doing before we can decide to scale and, and do anything different. So hats off to your organization for having that wherewithal to go, you know, we're going to shift from sending all of our food overseas to right here because, man, we really need it here. Yeah. And then even more so to be pushed to do more is just to to do it more effectively locally. And, you know, Mm -hmm. hopefully you can partner with other organizations and, you know, maybe model something that can be replicated elsewhere. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be working 60 hours a week before you know Yeah, I know. You're going to go in the opposite direction, (laughs) Sean. (laughs) No, I think that I think there's real value uh, to that. And, you know, sometimes that's a tough a uh, tough decision or a tough conversation to have with somebody when they they call you and they're 115 miles from here and they'd like our food and like I would love to be able to give it to you I really would but if you can tell me three businesses in your area that perhaps would be willing to talk to us about you know funding it we will definitely get it there for you or yeah. tell us who your local civic groups are and we will ask and if they donate money to us we will ensure that it gets back into the pro- into the communities where. Mm-hmm. You know, the money is coming from what a what a but brilliant what a brilliant model. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's 
you're at least you're not just saying, you know, no, unfortunately, we cannot help you. You're providing a an opportunity for them to do a little bit of digging on their end. And and you're like, well, OK, if, if you can do this, if you can connect us with these people, we'll ensure Absolutely. that that gets back to you. Well, and Sean, if if somebody listening to this show is inspired to give to the program, how do they find you? So easiest is outreach program, BLA.org. That's our website. Yep. Um, we have a, a pretty good social following on <clears throat> Facebook and Instagram. And that's outreach program of Brainerd Lakes. We are located at 244-89 Hazelwood Drive in the beautiful little town of Nisswa, Minnesota, 56468. And I'm kind of an open book. My cell phone is listed on our website. I don't <laughs> mind people calling me um, because you have to hear the story. It can't yeah. just be by reading something and it can't just be um, by having it secondhand. You really need to talk to somebody. And if you ever want to do something that's eye-opening, come to one of my mobile distributions with me and have that car pull up. And all you have to do is look in their eyes. And it's a mom of four kids that's just trying to figure out how to make life go this week. Not a month from now, not a year from now. She's just trying to get through the week. And if our mac and cheese and our oatmeal can allow her to feed her kids for a couple of days so that she can just get through the week, it's eye-opening. And I would love to invite anyone to come and see that because you get us to get closer. Okay. On that Sean. note, as well, as well. <laughs> you got all of us tearing up here right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't thank you. I mean, we cannot thank you enough for ending on a note like that because, I mean, that was super, super powerful. So yeah, we want to thank you for the time and just hearing more about the outreach program of Brainerd Lakes area. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Keep doing great yeah. work. Thank you for listening to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. As a reminder, it's time to stop searching. And start serving. See you next week.